Okay, in this recording, I'm going to speak in more detail about our newly announced case against the CVC, which is a racial discrimination case. What this case deals with is that the CVC recently instituted a policy to capitalize the B in black people, the, the first letter of the word black when referring to black people, but not the first letter, the W in white when referring to white people. What I'm going to do in this recording is I'm going to talk uh, in, in detail about the case. First thing that's on my list is to say that if you're listening to this podcast, if you're interested enough in this case to be listening to this podcast and you're a supporter of the effort, it's really valuable to us if you can sign that petition. Signing that petition will be useful to us uh, when dealing with the Canadian Human Rights Commission, partly because what it does is that it shows that they can't just sweep us under the under the rug and hope that no one will notice. If we can point to a petition that has a bunch of signatures on it, we can say, look, there are people who are who are interested in this case and who are paying attention to this case and watching this case. And if you just if you just uh, dismiss it for no good reason, uh, then there's going to be a bunch of people who who make a big deal ab about it and care about it and are upset about it. So that's it's, it's useful for that reason. It's useful to to make our case because. Uh, as we talked about in the announcement video for this case, the CBC said uh, it rationalized its policy. The CBC rationalized the new policy change by arguing that they were just conducting themselves in accordance with the wishes of their audience. But if we have a petition, if we're able to demonstrate that actually the, the audience is opposed to this policy or a significant portion of the audience is opposed to this policy, and they still continued to 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 make the change or to not uh, to not correct their policy. Uh, that is evidence of racial discrimination, and the petition could also be useful to us just in dealing with the CBC directly. It is possible that we might be able to resolve this without even going to court and without even uh, having to to go in front of the Canadian Human Rights Commission. If we can just get a good petition and then send it to the CBC, they might cave in and say, you know what, we're not we don't want to fight tooth and nail about this. We don't really care that much. Uh, about whether or not uh, the W in white is capitalized. And they might just, uh, you know, for the sake of, of getting along, they might make the change in and of themselves. So if you can sign that petition, that could be very useful and very practical and valuable to us. It'll take you about 20 seconds. Uh, you just have to put your first name, your last name, and your email address. There should be a link in the description box on whatever platform you're listening to, YouTube or Spotify or whatever. Take about 20 seconds. There are checkboxes underneath your name that you can deselect if you don't want your name displayed publicly. So yeah, go do that. Do that now. Go click the link, first name, last name, email. Uh, deselect the the checkboxes if you don't want your name displayed publicly, and that could be very useful to us. Okay, next thing on the list. So I'm going to explain the case from beginning to end. So uh, this case, this question of whether or not black should be capitalized or whether or not white should be capitalized. Central to the issue is the, is the question of whether or not black and white are adjectives or are they proper nouns? So if you think about uh, normally when you're, when you're writing something and you refer to the black cat and the green car and the blue sky, would you capitalize uh, black and green and blue in those cases? No, you wouldn't because they're just normal adjectives. Uh, but what about if you have over here, you have the black cat and over here you have the black man. Would you capitalize black when referring to the black man? And why would you capitalize it when referring to the black man and not to the black cat? 
So what the CBC is saying, and I agree with them, that and it's not just the CBC who says this. It's also um, it's a number of news organizations. The Globe and Mail does it. The Toronto Star does it. The Canadian Press does it. In the United States, the LA Times does it. New York Times does it. Associated Press does it. Uh, and a bunch of other news organizations have, have started doing it as well. And the rationale for it is that when you talk about the black man or you talk about black people, you're not just using an adjective. You're not just, you're not just describing their color. The term black is a proper noun. It is, uh, it's a title. It's a symbolic title for an ethnic group. So a proper noun. So if, if an adjective is a descriptive word, a noun is a person, place, or thing. And then a proper noun is a specific person, place, or thing. So if man is uh, a noun, my name's George, George is a specific, is a specific um, entity within that category of man. So, uh, and so you would capitalize George. Or if Canada is a country or America is a country, that's the noun is country. And then a proper noun, examples of, of a proper noun within the category of country is Canada or the United States. And so you'd capitalize the proper noun. You capitalize Canada, you capitalize the United States. And so the idea is that when you refer to a black person, you're not, you're not using that as a descriptor of describing what they look like, but you're using it as a title to, to say that this is, this is a, a someone of, you're describing the person's ethnic group, a person, uh, a black man, the black is capitalized because black refers to um, uh, the, the ethnic group that that person is a part of. Um, if you're using black to describe, for example, Beyonce, for example, Drake, for example, The Weeknd, and you're using black as an adjective to describe them, then that would be an inaccurate description in, in the sense of if you're using it as an adjective, while Drake isn't literally black, if you, if you want an accurate adjective, an accurate, an accurate descriptor of someone like Drake or Beyonce or The Weeknd, you, you could think of a, a different color to describe them, which would be more accurate than calling them black. When you call, when you call someone like Drake black, you're not actually describing his skin color. You're referring to the ethnic group that he's part of. So I totally agree with that, that rationale. But the exact same rationale applies to white people. When you talk about a white man or white people, you're not describing people's skin color. You're referring to the ethnic group that they're part of. And it makes sense to capitalize the B in black for, for, the, for the reason that you know, we use it as a title uh, to refer to an ethnic group. And by that same rationale, we should also be capitalizing the W in white when referring to white people. But uh, this new policy adopted by so many news organizations, including the CBC, is, is that they're saying that they're going to capitalize the B in black, but not the W in white. So the problem that we have with that is that it looks like a gesture of disrespect. It looks like they're subordinating one group uh, relative to another group. And, and here's another thing that we didn't get into in the announcement video. If you watch the five-minute announcement video, I assume that most people who are listening to this long, boring podcast came because they, they saw the announcement video. Um, one thing we didn't describe is how it's actually not only black that's capitalized. It's actually the first letter of pretty much every ethnic group except white people that gets, that gets uh, capitalization. Um, so if you think about, you know, what are the different kind of categories and groups that, that we refer to, there's, of course, there's black people, which is now capitalized. And then Asians, A Asia and Asian is, uh, is already obviously a, um, a proper noun. And so it's always been capitalized. Um, 
And then a few years ago, the CBC also started capitalizing the word indigenous or aboriginal when referring to First Nations peoples. Um, and then there's one more term which is actually which is not capitalized, and that's the term brown. And there's actually a whole lot that can be said about the word brown. It's interesting because, so I'm here in Toronto. In Toronto, when we say brown people, we mean South Asian people. And I get the impression that that is not the way people use the word brown uh, ar ar around the rest of the world. For example, if you if you watch a, a Russell Peters uh, comedy sketch, he uses the term brown to mean South Asian people. But I've encountered, I once had a sociology professor, an African-American sociology professor from the States, obviously. Um, I had a course on uh, uh, race, uh, race and racism, a sociology course on race and racism. And this topic came up about how we use the term brown in Toronto. And he was totally baffled. I remember him saying that he's never heard the term brown used in that way before to refer exclusively to South Asians. In the States, I feel like the term brown is often used to refer to uh, a whole... It, it, sometimes it, the word brown means... refers to essentially everyone who isn't white or black. For example, um, I think Tim Wise uh, uses that kind of rhetoric. He'll talk about black and brown folks. And he, by black and brown folks, he means everyone that isn't white. So brown in that context refers to Latinos and Hispanics, and I guess theoretically also Asians and uh and arabs and and essentially everyone everyone who we wouldn't classify as white so the cbc does not doesn't capitalize white and it doesn't capitalize brown here's the thing though is that the, the cbc actually doesn't really use the term brown at all you can find individual articles uh that were written for the cbc by outside writers in which they use the term brown and it's to refer to south asians but typically, the, the editorial writing of the CBC, they don't use the term brown to refer to anybody. When they're referring to South Asians, they just refer to, they just use the term South Asian. Um, when I, and by South Asian, I mean people who look like Russell Peters and Gandhi and uh, Kumar from Harold and Kumar. Um, so, so really, uh, it's not just the case of black being capitalized and white not being capitalized. Really, it's everyone gets a capitalization except for white people. And so, like I said, we feel that this is uh, this sends a signal to the world that it's okay to pick on white people. It's okay to disrespect white people. It's especially significant because the CBC is owned by the Canadian government. And so the actions of the CBC have the appearance of government approval. Technically, the CBC is at, can actually do whatever it wants. It receives government funding, which means it's funded by you if you're a Canadian receives government funding it's owned by the government technically it's it's free to, it has like uh I, I don't know what the official language is but it's it has it can pretty much conduct itself however it wants to conduct itself um but it still has the appearance of government approval and so when people in canada they look at the cbc and they see that white gets lowercase and everything everyone else gets capitalized it gives the impression that, oh, you can you can mess with white people and they won't do anything. It's okay to disrespect white people. Look, even their own government disrespects them and they get away with it. And the white people don't even do anything. So this is uh, symbolically important. This is degrading. Uh, it sends the message that it's okay to disrespect and discriminate against white people. Even their own government does it and they don't do anything about it. So that's why we feel that it's uh, it's important. Uh, Canada is an officially multicultural country. 
And that's kind of like one of the flagship defining policies of Canada, at least if you, if you, especially if you listen to uh, Canadian government propaganda, is that, uh, you know, multiculturalism is a big deal in Canada. And the, the underpinning assumption of multiculturalism is the idea that people's culture and people's identity are, are a big deal. They're not something that you can just dismiss or treat lightly. People's culture and people people's identity are something that needs to be taken seriously. And so if, okay, if, we're, if, if that's going to be the policy of our country, if we're going to play that game and we're going to play by that, those rules, then we want the rules to be consistent. We don't want a double standard. We want a consistent standard. We want the rule of law where the law applies equally and the standards and policies apply equally to everyone, including us, including European Canadians, including white people. Um, and so this should be taken seriously and, and it's not something that can be just swept on, under the rug and ignored. This is a, a big deal, just as our government affirms that it is. This is this question of identity, this question of culture. And another, another element, another uh, policy to point to is, um, is hate speech law in Canada. Uh, in Canada, we have two or three levels of hate speech law. We have criminal hate speech law, and then we have two forms of hate speech law at the human rights level. So we have two forms of human rights law. We have uh, human rights law at the provincial level and human rights law at the national level. And a few provinces have have hate speech, like their own individual hate speech policies. And then it used to be the case that we also had a hate speech uh, law at the national level of our human rights law. That was recently uh, overturned because it was uh, found to be unconstitutional. But there are people who are trying to bring it back. But anyway... Um, the thing that I want to reference about hate speech law is there's this theme in Canadian hate speech law. So when you talk about criminal law, the rationalization for why, why hate speech can't be allowed is because it, it might incite people to commit acts of violence. If you say, you know, this group is, are parasites, this group are um, dirty, these, this group are inferior, it, it might cause people, lead people to uh, to commit other acts of uh, other criminal, other illegal behaviors, such as discriminating against that group, uh, disrespecting that group, or acts of violence against that group. On the on the human rights level of hate speech law, however, the relationship between um, the, the the rationale for why hate speech is a problem is not simply that it's indirectly a problem. That if you say this about people people might mistreat them. The rationale at the level of human rights law is that hate speech is, is directly damaging in the sense that it damages people's sense of self-worth. So if you were to say, for example, that green people, uh, green people are less intelligent, green people are inferior, green people um, have this or that negative trait, and that they are abusive, and that they're parasites, and that they are exploiting other people in society, that message in and of itself is directly damaging to green people because it harms their sense of self-worth. So this is a theme in Canadian law, that if you, if you hurt people's feely-wheelies, then that is something that is so significant that it's illegal, uh, and you'll be punished for it. And so if it is the case that we live in a society where it's illegal to hurt people's feelings or it's illegal to uh, undermine the sense of self-worth of a group, well, this is, even, even though this isn't a hate speech case, this is a racial discrimination case, but 
we we were pointing actually in our in our arguments that um, this policy has the effect of damaging the sense of self-worth of a group. So those are the reasons why we have a problem with it. Makes people feel like you can abuse white people, makes people feel like white people are inferior, uh, and it damages this, the sense of self-worth and the sense of confidence, I guess, of, of, the, of the targeted group. So that's the policy. That's why it's rationalized. Uh, the question of, there's the question of, you know, adjectives and proper nouns. This is why it's a problem for us. And now I'm going to get into um, the experience that we've had so far, the back and forth with the Canadian Human Rights Commission in regards to this case. So the CBC made the, ch the change to their policy on June 8th. Uh, we started preparing um, our, we started doing the research uh, and preparing our arguments. And we submitted our case first on uh, early September. I think it was September 10th. Uh, September 16th, we, we submitted our case. And our policy is we actually have a, a, a number of other cases um, that we're actually uh, working through that we haven't publicly announced yet. And the reason why we haven't publicly announced them is, is despite the fact that we might have already put a whole lot of effort into them, uh, we don't want to become uh, the boy who cries wolf and uh, calls attention to, to something if it turns out that it might not go anywhere. So we wanted to make sure that this was on a track to at least at least was moving towards something before we announced it. So we submitted our case way back uh, September 16th. Uh, and then we've been we've been having a back and forth and we've been going through a lot of waiting uh, since submitting it. And it wasn't until we felt that, OK, uh, it's been uh, uh, accepted at a certain level before we, we came out and we publicly announced it. But it's interesting that since September 16th, the Canadian Human Rights Commission has been resisting, resisting, resisting the idea of taking this case. And they've put forth a bunch of different arguments. Uh, at first, they said it was not within their mandate. Uh, they said it was not within their jurisdiction. They told us that instead we should be taking this case to the Canadian Radio and Television um, Commission. Uh, and then the Canadian Radio and Television Commission told us that we should take our case to the CBC Ombudsman. Um, and so, uh, none of these are really like those first two arguments don't really make, don't make sense. It's not our jurisdiction. It's not our mandate. Take it to the, uh, Canadian radio and television commission, because obviously, uh, the, 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 the problem that we have is not a problem that has anything to do with radio or television. So the, uh, the radio and tele, the Canadian radio and television commission doesn't have anything to do with solving our case, but the, the, the Canadian human rights commission kept pushing us saying, no, we, we, this is not within our jurisdiction. Put this in front of the Canadian radio and television commission. And so eventually you said, well, okay, I mean, we'll, we'll give that a sincere shot. We don't think it's going to work because obviously it, it, it's not a case of radio or television, but we came to the Canadian radio and television commission. And we said, we told them about the case and they told us exactly what, we expected them to say, which is that it's not in their jurisdiction. They told us to go to the CBC Ombudsman, complain to the CBC Ombudsman about this. And again, we thought, we don't see uh, the CBC Ombudsman uh, doing anything about this. But again, we, we said, okay, well, let's give it a sincere shot and we'll see what happens. And I'm so glad that we did actually bring it before the CBC Ombudsman. We actually ended up, we, we mailed the CBC Ombudsman and we ended up in an email exchange with Blair uh, Chuck who is the standards editor of the CBC. And he was one of the guys who uh, really pushed for the, the change uh, in this policy. And um, I'm glad we ended up speaking to him because, you know, the policy 
of capitalizing every ethnic group except white. It's racially discriminatory on its face. But then listening to all of the rationales as to why, uh, as to why they made the policy and why they can't have a racially neutral policy, it just gave us more and more and more and more evidence uh, to demonstrate that this policy is uh, racially discriminatory and otherwise arbitrary. Um, so I'm going to get to that in a second. I just want to make sure I've covered this this one point I wanted to get over about how the CBC, the, the CHRC has uh, was really resisting us at first. They've been really pushing it back against us with a bunch of, of not good arguments about how it's not within their jurisdiction, it's not within their mandate, uh, go to the Canadian uh, uh, Radio and Television Commission. Um, the the uh, uh, Canadian Human Rights Commission has actually taken on the CBC in the past. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the arguments they gave us is that they told us that, no, we can't take your case because the discriminatory act that they, that they are allegedly committing is not service related. They told us in order for the Canadian Human Rights Commission to take your case, there has to be a discriminatory act. And that discriminatory act has to either take the form of uh, uh, employment discrimination or service related discrimination. And oh, we're sorry, but uh, this case is not is neither employment related or service related. W but obviously, it's service related. Like they have a policy that they are going to serve certain ethnic groups differently than other ethnic groups. It's like, it's like, it's interesting because uh, I was thinking about this myself about how, you know, technically, you know, do we have a case? Because technically the CBC isn't outright denying us its service. It's not saying white people can't listen to, to the CBC. All it's doing is it is applying a, a different standard to one ethnic group than it is to other ethnic groups. It's still serving us. It's just serving us in a different way. And you know what it reminds me of? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I'm, I'm uh, exploring this from the, from the perspective of a non-lawyer. But one of the examples that comes to my mind, and I'm working with different lawyers, obviously, uh, who are helping me through this. But one of the examples that comes to my mind of how a parallel that you've seen in other cases is if you think about the idea of uh, racially segregated seating, for example, in restaurants or buses or movie theaters, that's an example. That's a parallel example in the sense that, um, you know, if a movie theater says we uh, uh, certain ethnic groups are only are only allowed to sit in certain areas of this theater. Well, technically, you know, that movie theater is not denying outright denying a service to the to the discriminated to, to the group against whom uh, the group the group against against uh, the group which is being discriminated against, they're not outright denying them a service, but they are giving them a different service than other groups. And, and in that regard, they're being discriminated against. And so that's like the argument that I see here. It's not that the CBC is telling us we're not going to provide white people with news service, but what they are saying is that we are going to apply a different service to you than we are to other groups. When with other groups, we're going to give show them the respect of capitalizing the first letter of their of uh, that describes their group, but we're not going to do it with you. So that's a service-related, that's service-related racial discrimination. Uh, so that was one of the the arguments that they used to try to reject us at first, um, but then eventually we we pushed back and said none of these arguments make any sense, and they told us, okay, we'll send this to the uh, to the next level. Okay, now I'm going to go over the um, the exchange that we've had with the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation directly. So uh, this is my second try trying to go through this. Uh, initially, what I tried to do was just to read through the letter itself. Um, 
it's uh, uh, we initially the, what we did was we sent to the CBC um, essentially a modified version of our human rights complaint. And we essentially sent the message to the CBC and we said, um, we think that your policy opens you up to a racial discrimination case. And we recommend, I guess, that you you change the policy. We sent them a 2,100 word document, which is probably one of the longest complaints that's ever been received by the uh, the CBC ombudsman. And we had like you know all these precedents and stuff, and 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 you know different sections of our letter and different legal arguments. Um, and they actually wrote back to us an even longer response. They wrote back to us a response that was. Uh, 3,000, over 3,000 words, like 3,100, 3,200, something like that. So I appreciate that uh, our complaint was taken so seriously that they took the time to um, to give us such a, a thorough response. Uh, thing is, though, that um, so I tried to, uh, for the sake of this podcast, I tried reading through the whole letter. And the thing is that the letter is just so full of errors, so dense with flaws that it was like, I, you know, I couldn't really get a flow going because it's like walking through a forest. You take a single step and you have to cut down a tree and then a single step and then cut down a tree because there's just so many flaws in this. So uh, this is my second time uh, trying to explain this uh, in podcast mode. And um, I've simplified it, simplified it a bit. I'm going to try to address this letter in broader strokes. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to talk about uh, the simple problems with the letter, like the factual problems with the letter. And then I'm going to get into a more uh, theoretical and philosophical discussion. So let me begin with reading off the reasons that the CBC has given uh, as to as to why uh, why they've why they've created this policy. There are three reasons why they've chosen to capitalize black, and there are three reasons why they've chosen not to capitalize white. So beginning with the the three the three reasons how they rationalize why they capitalize black. They're pretty short. They say, as our in-house language guide points out. We adopted this style to acknowledge the distinctiveness of shared black history and black culture, to respect the frequently voiced preferences of black people, and to reflect increasingly common usage in Canada. So right off the bat, this is something we addressed in the article, this idea that the policy was, the change was made to respect the frequently voiced preferences of black people, uh, while the freedom of information request that we submitted produced only five requests by black people to capitalized black and the overwhelming it was like over 40 maybe 47 uh, letters from people saying that they were strongly opposed to this policy so if the policy is actually uh, implemented to comply with the preferences of their audience then by that standard then they should also be capitalizing they should also be capitalizing white as well as black so that's one of the simple problems now let me get into the the reasons why they've chosen not to capitalize white and there's a lot that's a, there's a lot more information there the reasons why they chose to capitalize black the explanations they have are these very short little sentences the reasons why they've chosen to not capitalize white are about four line paragraphs each and that's where i think the most in- interesting information is so uh here are the three reasons why the cbc does not capitalize black so there's uh there's an opener where it says uh so we've chosen to capitalize black for these reasons and then at the same time, we continue to spell white with a lowercase w across the board. For example, uh, a white police officer, white nationalism, both with lowercase w. There are three main reasons. Reason number one, we have seen no compelling evidence of a comparable shared white history or white culture. 
In particular, white people have not been routinely discriminated against in Canada based solely on their skin color. This in turn means that a white person's reference to white does not mirror a black person's reference to black history or black culture, etc. So the most interesting part about that rationale, point number one for why they don't capitalize white, is this um, what appears to be the assumption that identity is necessarily predicated on the experience of having been discriminated against, uh, which is pretty fascinating. Uh, you could do a whole like Nietzschean slave morality analysis of uh, why someone might think that way. Um, but obviously, you know, uh, I think it's pretty intuitively ridiculous. Like, isn't there another identity out there other than being defined by the fact that you've been defeated and oppressed? Like, if you like defeated and oppressed by who? There, there is another identity out there, another way of understanding yourself and seeing yourself and defining yourself, which as which is as the winner and as the oppressor, as the as the dominant. Uh, figure in that relationship of oppressor and oppressed, of winner and loser. It's the argument that well, white people, we're not gonna we're not gonna show white people the respect of capitalizing uh, the first letter of their of their group because they've never been oppressed, or, or because they've always been winners. Uh, that doesn't make sense. You know, you can have an identity as a winner. You can have the identity as as an oppressor and as a colonizer and uh, an, an, an affirmative identity. They say, you know, we are the most dominant people in the history of the world. So anyway, this idea that an identity is necessarily predicated on the experience of having been discriminated against seems uh, uh, predicated on, on, on a false assumption. Okay, the next two reasons why they rationalize capitalizing white but not black or black but not white, uh, those are the two which I think are more interesting and they, they interplay with each other. So reason number two for why the CBC doesn't capitalize uh, the word white. He says that the umbrella term white refers to people with lighter skin, mainly of European descent, who already enjoy various capitalized terms to express their identities, such as Baltic, Irish, Nordic, Slavic. This includes the generic word Caucasian. By contrast, black Canadians have not had similar options. So like I said, I'm going to go over the simple stuff first. So, so right off the bat, the simple stuff. The idea that, so he says that white people have the terms Baltic, Irish, Nordic, and Slavic, whereas black people don't have those terms. Baltic, Nordic, and Slavic are all just ethno-linguistic, uh, pan, pan-national identities within Europe. Do black people not have uh, equivalent ethno-linguistic categories? Of course they do. Uh, for example, and we wrote this back to him when we, uh, when we sent uh, uh, our response. So, for example, black people have uh, Afro-Asiatic, Khoisan, Niger-Congo, and Nilo-Saharan. And we even sent him like a Wikipedia article on, um, on African ethno-linguistic groups. So, again, this is, a, this is just a false assumption. White people have these categories, but black people don't. Black people absolutely do have these categories. He also includes in his list of identities that white people have, but black people don't. He includes Irish, which is really weird because Irish is not an ethno-linguistic group. The Irish are a national group. And so are, is, is his position that uh, black people don't have national groups? Of course, black people have national groups like, or, or, or and nations like Nigerian and Ghanaian and uh, Ethiopian and uh, Congolese. 
So very weird argument on his part. We capitalize black but not white because white people have national national groups and ethno-linguistic groups, whereas black people don't. It's just false, like obviously false. Black people do, do have those equivalent terms. And then he also makes the point about white people have Caucasian, but black people don't have Caucasian, which again is just ridiculous and absurd because everyone, I'm sure everyone who's listening knows what the, what the black equivalent to Caucasian is. Um, you know, obviously Caucasian is an outdated term but the the typically three categories that I referred to that, that fall into to you know the equivalents that fall into those classifications are Caucasians for white people, Negro for black people, and Mongoloid for Asians. Um, obviously outdated terms, but if if you, but it's not simply not true that Caucasian is the only term in that category. But it's actually philosophically what's more interesting about this second reason for why they don't capitalize black is the opening sentence. He says, the umbrella term white refers to people with lighter skin, mainly of European descent. Uh, so what, he's, what he seems to be saying there is that white is an adjective describing people's skin color. But that's obviously not the way that the CBC even uses the term white. Because if it was really about an adjective and describing people's skin color, then by that rationale, they would refer to Asians also as white people. But they don't refer to Asians as white people because they're not, they're not describing people's skin color. They're describing, they're using the term white to refer to an ethnic group. And they know very well that the term white is, is a symbolic proper noun that refers to Europeans. And as evidence of that is the mere fact that they call Asians Asians. If it's just an adjective, then why don't you call Asians white people? If it's just about describing people's skin color, why don't you call Asians white people? I mean, obviously there are some very dark Asians, but there are also some very light-skinned, uh, almost white, whiter than the average white person, uh, Asians. And so if it's really about describing people's skin color, then they wouldn't refer to those people as Asian. They would refer to them as white, but they do refer to them as Asians. They call Asians Asians. They distinguish between Asians and white people. They call Asians Asians and they call white people white. They know very well that the way the term white in North America is used is to refer to Europeans. Oh yeah, and the third the third simple problem with uh, this letter is at one point he he addresses, uh, so like, like we said in the video, we're asking that they call us Europeans or European Canadians. Either capitalize white or call us Europeans or European Canadians. And that takes care of the ambiguity of whether or not uh, white is a proper noun or not. Because European is, is obviously a proper noun. And by default, it gets a, uh, it gets a, capital, a capital letter. So we ask of them, either please capitalize, capitalize white or call us Europeans or European Canadians. And he writes back and he tells us that, oh, we can't use the term European to refer to white people. Because there are black people and Asians who live in Europe, and therefore it's not a, not a useful term because it doesn't doesn't describe who you're talking about. And yet he applies a different standard when it comes, or the CBC rather has a different standard when it comes to referring to Asian people. Why is it that you you can't you can't use the term European to refer to white people, but you can re use the term Asian to refer to Asian people? despite the fact that the same arguments apply about Asia as, as they do to Europe, there are black people and white people who live in Asia. And yet, apparently it's not a problem to use the term Asian uh, to refer to Asians. This is the third reason as to why they don't capitalize white. 
He says that there is no widespread championing of white in everyday English compared to, say, black, indigenous, and aboriginal. Instead, the most passionate advocates also often appear to promote white separatism and white supremacy. So first of all, what's interesting about the way he presents this argument, so this theme of how the only people who capitalize white are white nationalists, white supremacists, and uh, white separatists, that's a theme that pops up again and again five different times in his response letter back to us. Uh, And it's interesting that he never really goes the full distance to kind of complete the circle of the argument. He kind of just lays lays the fact down, um, lay, lays it down on the table without actually kind of explaining why he's bringing this top this theme up again and again and again. This idea that instead the most passionate listen to the argument again. There there is no widespread championing of white in everyday English compared to say black, indigenous, and Aboriginal. Instead, the most passionate advocates also appear to promote white separatism and white supremacy. And then he doesn't complete the argument and say, well, therefore, because because the people who capitalize this uh, capitalize white also tend to support white nationalism. Therefore, we can't capitalize white because and he never explains what the because is. Just because white people do it, white white nationalists do it, or white separatists or white supremacists do it, why can't you capitalize? Why, why, why is that a reason why you can't capitalize white? And so I think that there are, in my mind, uh, he he's likely taking. Uh, potentially two positions. Reasons why you can't capitalize white. Pointing to the fact that white supremacists, white nationalists, and white separatists capitalize white. One argument he might be making is that the, 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 the number of people who capitalize white is very small. It's a very small minority of people whose identity is so important to them um, that it is, it is it, that that they capitalize white, and it's it's so central to, to who how they define themselves and see themselves that they think it deserves capitalization. That number, the number of people who do that, is a very small minority of people. Therefore, that small minority can be dismissed. Maybe that's what his argument is. Because it's so small, you don't need to take that group of people seriously. But if you ask me, that argument, if that's the argument that he's making, that argument does not bode well with Canada's policy of multiculturalism. The whole idea of multiculturalism, actually, like I said earlier, I think I said earlier, depending on how I edit this, um, the idea of multiculturalism is that in Canada, there is no default culture. There is no norm that all other peoples have to conform to or assimilate to. Instead, Canada is a multitude of peoples, a multitude of cultures, all of which are equally valuable and equally deserving of respect, uh, regardless of their relative size. So even small minority cultures still have to be respected and protected and treated the same way as all other cultures. So if his argument here is that we can dismiss this group of people who define themselves as white because they're so small or because they're such a small minority, that is not, uh, that is not, uh, that does not bode well with multiculturalism. That's not consistent with the other, the other policies that we have in our country. The second thing that he might be saying is the idea that he may be dismissing the argument by saying, uh, essentially it's a form of poisoning the well or a form of ad hominem. Nobody capitalizes white except white nationalists and white supremacists. And therefore, we don't have to capitalize white because uh, the assumption perhaps he's getting at is he's suggesting that white nationalists and white supremacists and white separatists are just inherently bad, immoral, and evil people. And therefore, they can be dismissed. 
or, or perhaps even, um, they, they should be dismissed, um, as a gesture of, uh, in, in the attempt to negate their political position. And now here's the thing that I've really been wanting to get to an idea, which, uh, I think might be kind of difficult to articulate, but I'm going to try to express it anyway. This idea that, okay, check this out. If you think of this idea that black is a proper noun. So if a proper noun, let me, let me read to you here, um, how, uh, a proper noun is defined when you type in proper noun, the first thing that pops up on, uh, on Google it defines a proper noun as a proper noun is a noun that identifies a single entity and is used to refer to that entity, such as London, Jupiter, Sarah, or Microsoft, as distinguished from a common noun, which is a noun that refers to a class of entities and may be used when referring to instances of a specific class. So if, if black is a proper noun, well, what category of entities is black in? Is, is black uh, a country? Is black a religion? Black, the, re the people who perceive that you should capitalize black, who perceive that black is a proper noun, what they're saying is that black people the, uh, are themselves an entity an entity which is defined by their ethnicity and an entity which is an entity of people, a group of people defined by their ethnicity is called a nation. So this idea of capitalizing black is in this sense, it's an inherently nationalist gesture because what you're doing is you're affirming that black people are a nation. Essentially, the black people are a people. It's not just an adjective. You're referring to an ethnic group. And so if you follow me, on that. So keep that argument in mind when comparing it to this argument that we can, we, we don't have to capitalize white because the only people who capitalize white are white nationalists. It seems like he's applying a totally different standard, uh, depending on the, the ethnic group that you're referring to. We're capitalizing black because black nationalists want us to, and we're not capitalizing white because white nationalists want us to. It's an inherently racially discriminatory rationale. So anyway, those are the arguments. That's all the talking I have to do. Uh, make sure you sign the petition. I've explained to you the case, the rationale for why they're doing it, the rationale for why it's damaging and discriminatory and why we're choosing to sue them. I've talked about how the exchanges that we've had so far with the Canadian Human Rights Commission and how they've resisted us. And I've talked about uh, the communications that we've had directly with the CBC and pointed out all of their, or, or many of the um, illogical, many of the factually false claims that they've made to support this decision uh, and the discriminatory rationales that they've used to, uh, uh, to justify the decision. Uh, and so sign that petition. That could be really useful to us uh, in the next steps which are going to include both trying to take this to the, the Canadian Human Rights Commission. We're already on the path of doing that. We're already uh, within their system. And also, again, appealing to the CBC itself to please make the policy change. And that's all. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.